Good morning. Good to see you guys. Uh, it is my privilege to get to teach in our series. Uh, we're going to continue in John. We're in John 1, verses 14 through 18, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. My name is Brian Berger. I'm one of the pastors here at Redemption Gilbert. Uh, I've spent the last 11 years in adult discipleship with Jeremy Olam and Summer Montoya, serving our small group leaders and doing seminars and classes. But now I get to serve the youth uh, in our church, 7th through 12th grade. I'm now the new youth pastor. I know we haven't made a, like official announcement, but I've been doing it for about a year now. And let me just say, interesting time to lead uh, youth through. Very interesting. Um, yeah, we're going to continue in uh, the Gospel of John, but I want to say this. Um, I need God. Anyone else feeling that right now? We need God. And uh, I wrote on my mirror uh, in my bathroom these words, and I hope they'll encourage you. He sees us. God sees us. And he hears us. He cares for us. And he's for us. And I need to hear that like every morning. <laughs> and I need to hear it before I go to sleep at night. And the other day I was praying and I turned on my radio and it was like the song literally, as soon as I turned it on, said, he sees me, he hears me, he's for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, that's on my mirror right now. I just want to pass that word on to you, and uh, as we struggle through these times, to remember that the Almighty God is with us, that He sees us, He hears us, He's for us, He cares for us. So I'm going to give us that one minute to just spend some time quiet and just ask God, like we, and just tell Him we need Him this morning, and we need Him to speak to us through His Word. So let's spend some time in prayer, and I'll pray out of it before we get going. Father, we need you. We need you desperately. Holy Spirit, come and do work in us. Speak to us in the parts that need to be convicted. Encourage us in the way we need to be encouraged. Comfort us in the way we need to be comforted. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. I love documentaries, and the Lord knows that I'm thankful for Netflix during this quarantine time when a lot of stuff was shut down. I love uh, storytelling. And to me, like, the documentary is just like, well, some of them, most of them, that I've, uh, is like a masterpiece of storytelling. There's like these B-roll shots that if you can picture the intro to a documentary 
of like this cool music maybe in the background, or maybe it's the sound of like tires driving down a, a gravel road, and the shots are going from like this like uh, zoom-in shot of a man driving to like his fist holding the steering wheel to outside of the windshield, and there's an awesome voice speaking over this B-roll that is kind of setting the tone for this documentary, this story. The, the passage that we're in, and, and we're going to go through verses 14 of 18 through uh, in chapter 1 of John, really if we look at 1 through 18 is the beginning of John's documentary on Jesus. And 1 through 18 is like that intro where John is giving us the like summary of the journey that he's going to take us on. Now, we know that every documentary has a perspective. And John is writing this gospel, this good news story of Jesus' life from the perspective of someone who was a dear friend. In fact, John is called the disciple that Jesus loved. There's an intimate relationship. So John is writing as a friend, but John is also writing as a disciple that was called by Jesus and an apostle who was commissioned by Jesus to lead the church. That's, who write, that's who's writing this gospel. And, and, and every documentary, every story has an agenda. And John's very clear what the, his agenda is. He says in John 20, 31, he says, that we would believe Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, we'd have life in his name. So as I read 14 through 18 now, like the B-roll in your head is Jesus, the Son of God, the Messiah, preparing uh, for his ministry. Let me read this passage. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John the Baptist testified concerning him. He cried out, saying, This is the one I spoke about when I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. But the one and only Son, who is Himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made Him known to us. Our outline uh, this morning is very simple. We need God. We get God, and we've been sent by God into a world that needs God. Hurricanes in the Gulf, derechos, I think that's the word, in Iowa. Businesses closing. Online school and isolation. Masks and arguments over masks. Virus and arguments over the virus. Police shootings and arguments over the shootings. Racism and injustice and arguments. Elections and arguments and protests and arguments. Hatred 
malice, slander, gossip. We need God. And then on top of it all, the hottest summer in recorded history. Thank you very much. And arguments over global warming. We feel the need for God today. Maybe more so than we did in January, but let's be honest. We have never needed God more or less than we do today. We've needed Him in January, and we needed Him before that, and we've needed Him even before mankind had sinned. We need God. We've been designed to flourish under His instruction, His commands, His wisdom. I want to look real quick at First Chronicles, and we're going to do a compare and contrast. First Chronicles 22, 11 through 13, and it's going to be up on the screen if you don't want to turn there. This is God saying through the prophet about a man that would become king named King Solomon. Maybe some of you are familiar. And this is what he says. He says, now, my son, the Lord be with you. The Lord be with you. And may you have success and build the house of the Lord your God, as he said that you would. May the Lord give you discretion and understanding when he puts you in command over Israel, so that you may keep the law of the Lord your God. Then you will have success if you are careful to observe the decrees and the laws that the Lord gave Moses for Israel. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. If you picked up on it, like, the Lord be with you. And as you listen to God, success. Success in leading this nation that God has called to Himself to be a model nation that would reflect God's blessing to the world. The essential piece is that God's presence would be with them and that they would observe His commandments and laws. Now, let's contrast that with Isaiah 24. Now, this is a different time when God is speaking through the prophet, when Israel had ignored God. Isaiah 24, the earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The heavens languish with the earth. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed the laws. Is that all we got? Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear the guilt. Therefore, earth's inhabitants are burned up and very few are left. And we'll end there. Chronicles. God says to this man, uh, Solomon, I'm going to be with you. And as you observe me, flourishing. Israel, you have denied him. You have not observed the commandments, withering and unraveling in creation. We need God. Now, if you know me, you know uh, I like the whiteboard. 
I was a teacher and coach for a little bit, and I really feel like out of place without being able to communicate without a whiteboard. So this might be a redemption first. We're going to try a whiteboard on a Sunday morning, and I think we're going to get it up on the sides here. But this is a, a diagram that if you guys have gone through LaunchPoint, you've probably seen it. Um, but in the beginning, God created us to be in relationship with Him. That from the beginning, before there was ever sin on the earth, we were designed to receive from God. And as we observed His commandments, God put us in right order with neighbor. Our relationships flourished or had success under God's guidance. We had shalom or peace or rest in our very soul as we did not boast in ourselves, and yet there's not insecurity and fear. There's not fear of man, self-deprecation. There is confidence and humility and rest in our soul, and God instructs us as His image to represent Him on earth. This is the beginning. We need God, and we know the story that mankind, if you look at Romans 1, ignored God. Paul says in Romans 1 that we exchanged the truth of God for a lie. We did not thank Him and honor Him as God, but we actually forgot about God. Not like I failed to remember, but like we left God. And as a result, we turned to idols the idea of idolatry is that we fell in love and we served and we lived our life for the things that God that the things that God gifted us with the things of his creation and not God himself and because we worshiped and served the created thing rather than the creator the behavior of mankind became evil and wicked arguments gossip slander, maligning, dissension, hatred. And as a result, we bore the consequence of our sin in death and destruction. We were designed for God, and when we ignore God, there is this painful scene that we see in Genesis 3 through 11 of mankind. This is called the fall of mankind. Paul talks about this in Romans 1 as he describes what is wrong with the world. And this is humanity's story. This is Israel's story. And this is my story. I forget about God. I live my life for His things and not for Him. As a result, I find myself doing things that I never thought I would do. And finally, I'm faced with the consequence of the mess that not only I've been a victim of, but I've participated in. So what does God do? We need God. The second point of the outline is we get God. In this scene in humanity's fall, God blesses a man named Abraham, and God makes his tabernacle with God's people. Now, tabernacle is not a word that we use very often. It means home. 
It means dwelling place. It means the place where you reside, the tent in which I belong or have made my home. God gave Himself to Israel. But it's much more than just His presence that they needed because there was a separation and Israel existed in destruction and death because of their sin. And so not only was God with them in His presence, but He also created sacrifices. That's not a dog. That's a lamb. A sacrifice so that Israel could be made right with God, observe His commands, be reconnected and reshaped in their relationship with each other, the rest for their soul, and their place and position as image bearers on earth. And not only did He give the sacrifice, but He gave them a priest who would oversee the sacrifice and take that blood into the temple of God to make atonement and payment for people's sin. Why? Not just so they could be forgiven, but so they could be restored to the humanity that God created them to be. This is what we see in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, but it doesn't end there. God gives them more tools. He gives them laws and instructions on how to relate to one another. He gives them laws and instructions on how to relate to God and worship. He gives them laws for how to produce and develop and cultivate their land. He gives them instruction. And it's not only that, but He gives them judges who will lead these people in the ways of God and make decisions on behalf of God for them. And He gives them kings that will rule them and protect them and provide for them. And He gives them prophets. And prophets are speaking in, don't forget God. Turn from your idols. Repent of your evil behavior. Finally, cry out for mercy. And the Old Testament is this cycle again and again and again. Is this grace? Out of all of the nations, not because Abraham did anything to merit God's favor, God had married himself to a people and he had made a way for these people to be in relationship with him. And even his laws are grace because it's unmerited favor that would instruct them in the way of shalom. And when they turned from him, he cried out through the prophets, come back to me, come back to me. In our passage, John 1, let's, let's look at 16 through 17. It says, out of Jesus' fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth has come through Jesus Christ. Now, some of your translations might say we've received grace upon grace. And so it kind of reads like God has been gracious to us and He will never stop being gracious. His grace keeps on coming. Yes. But the actual word that is used is grace anti-grace. You go, what is that? Maybe some of you are familiar with antichrist. Anti means it is a king that has set himself up instead of Christ. In place, 
of Christ. It's a Christ in place of Jesus Christ is the Antichrist. What is John talking about? There's new grace. There's grace in place of grace that's already been given. What is it? John 1.14. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. He made His tabernacle, His tent among us in flesh. His home is with us. We need God and we got God. And we have received His glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. All right, back to the diagram. What John is saying is that God has become flesh. God has become, in Jesus Christ, the Adam that failed. He's the faithful Adam. He's the faithful Israel that failed to be the righteousness of God, that would be the light to the world, that would image God to the nations and bless the nations. We failed. God became man and succeeded. But John also says he made his home with us. Jesus now is the tabernacle, is the home of God, God dwelling in man among us. But that's not it. God became man and became the Lamb of God, the true sacrifice. He became the high priest that would take the blood, the perfect love, the blood of himself into the throne room of God and restore people to God. It's not only that, but he fulfilled the law. He was now the judge. He is the Christ, the King, and he has become the prophet. In all of this system, with all of the tools that were given to Israel to form a people that would love God with their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as himself, every tool is summed up and packaged in the God-man Jesus Christ, God dwelling among us. We can clap. Jesus is everything we need. We need God. And we all said amen. And through Jesus, we have him. Now, this old system that belonged to the Israel and came through Moses is now obsolete. Galatians, and we won't go there, but Galatians 2 talks about this way of the law has now been replaced by faith in Jesus Christ. It's no longer we get access to God through Israel's commands, through the commands of the law. We get access, the whole world gets access to God through faith in Jesus Christ. Galatians 3.23, if you guys want to look, then why did we have the law? And Paul talks about in Galatians, it's his, his big argument is that we were, that, that this was a guardian. Before the coming of faith, we were held in custody under the law. We were locked up until faith was to come. It would be revealed. So the law was our 
guardian. The law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified through faith. This helped humanity until Jesus came and we got God. We need Him and we got Him. But the end of the gospel story does not end with us. The end of the gospel story is not we got what we needed and He is everything to us. Look at John 17, 18. Jesus is praying to the Father and He says, Father, as You sent Me into the world for these people that need God, now what? I have sent them into the world that needs God. Look at John 20. 21 through 22. This is, he says again, and now instead of praying to the Father, now he is commissioning his disciples. He says, again, Jesus said, peace be with you. Shalom. Harmony. Rest for your soul. Be with you. As the Father has sent me into the world, now I am sending you. Look what happens next. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive my Holy Spirit. The tabernacle of God, the dwelling place of God now is us. Jesus breathed on them and gave His Holy Spirit that the Spirit of Christ, the God-man, the righteous one, is now inside of us. Why? because He's sent us into the world. To a world that needs God, He gives His church. If that's true, when John, the friend of Jesus, the disciple of Jesus, beheld the glory of the Son of God, he said this, Jesus was full of grace and truth. What does that mean for us now that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in us that is imaging Christ to the world? What does that mean for us? When the world looks at us and sees Jesus in us, they say, we see the church. They're full of grace and truth. Arguments over everything, slander, malice, dissensions, hatred, arrogance. Does the world see grace and truth in us? We need to repent. And we can repent because Christ is the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And He's the great high priest, and He says, Come through, come, confess your sins, and you'll be cleansed. 
But we have to turn to grace and truth. We said from the beginning in John that God is love, correct? And the Scriptures say Jesus is God, therefore Jesus is love. And now Jesus is in us, and love is coming out of us, but it has to faithfully come in grace and truth. Now here, as I look, as a pastor, we have grace people, empathetic, compassionate, kind, weeping with those who weep, befriending neighbor. And yet there is this like abundance of truth that is the medicine for the world that needs God, the truth about who the world is, the truth about who God is, the truth about what God has done to bring us to man, this ancient truth that is called good news, the compassionate, graceful people withhold this good news to the world that needs it. And so we have to ask, is that love? And there's another side. Is truth. I will answer your questions without listening, without washing your feet, without Jesus coming alongside the woman caught in adultery and standing with her. And on her side, he's for her and he's protecting her. He's gracious. And then he says, Now turn from your sin are the truth people throwing out truth without being compassionate and graceful. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, you are nothing. You can understand all of the Bible. You can understand all truth. And if you do not love, you are nothing. You've gained nothing. Paul says, you're like a noisy gong, a clanging cymbal. You're like nails down a chalkboard when you talk about truth because it hasn't been backed up by feet washing. It hasn't been backed up with compassion and grace. I'm repenting. Some of us need to go back to conversations that we've had and say, Hey, you know, I was shaking my head. I was, in agree- I was hearing you. I understand you. But you know what? There was something I left out of the conversation that I want to circle back to and let you know this. Here's the truth of what the Bible says about us and about God and about Jesus and, and the world and why it's broken. We need to circle back and have those conversations to withhold the very truth that will set the world free from this anguish is not love. Let's go back and revisit those conversations. And some of us need to go back and say, gosh, I'm just replaying in my mind this conversation. And I realized I got heated and I came at you with my perspective and my opinion and I wasn't listening and I wasn't kind, I wasn't compassionate. And I just want to say, please forgive me is not right. Here's the beautiful thing. As we repent and as we confess, God cleanses us of our sin. 
and he purifies us. So that we can be sent to the world that needs God. And we have the love of Jesus and the truth about Jesus to give them. It is not just love your neighbor, and it is not just preach the gospel. It is a coin of love that has a heads and a tails, grace and truth. And as we yield to the Holy Spirit, Jesus Christ, full of grace and truth, begins to live through us. And we can say this, it's no longer us who live, but Christ that lives in us. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to do that. Father, forgive us of division. Forgive us of malice. Forgive us of unkindness. Forgive us for withholding truth. Forgive us for not faithfully representing you to the world full of grace and truth. Forgive us for not being led by your Spirit, for grieving the Holy Spirit. God, make us new. Give us shalom in our own soul and give us the courage to obey Jesus and to walk with boldness into the world that needs you and save our neighbors. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.